Hey there, I am Anna Michelle Gomo and you are welcome to the podcast. This is a safe space where I get to talk about God and how we can build our relationship with Him. On each episode, we'll be diving below the surface of the Bible to encounter God and grow. Currently, we are on a 365-day Bible challenge and it has been fantastic so far. And so I invite you to join us today because God has a word for you, but it is up to you to listen. So please stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today is day 148 of our Bible in Year challenge. And you are welcome back once again on this amazing journey. We are continuing on our readings taken from the books of 1 Kings, 2 Chronicles, and also praying along with Psalms. So let's dive right in. Um, just a quick side note that today would be the last day we'll be taken from 2 Chronicles, not because we're done with the entire book of 2 Chronicles, but because today summarizes the whole reign of King Solomon. Today's chapter from 2 Chronicles talks about the temple that Solomon builds, his other accomplishments and achievements, and his death as well. But while we are still on this journey in Second Chronicles in First Kings, we are still a bit far behind. I don't know. You probably might have noticed that. So just to correlate the timelines in both books, we're going to be taking a quick break today. And then tomorrow we would be starting with the book of Ecclesiastes. And then later on, we would be starting the second gospel stop which is taken from the book of mark i cannot wait to start that with you guys anyways today we're looking at first kings and second chronicles so i am going to put or i have already placed some links two links specifically in the description box and those are links to a youtube video that gives a very good graphical description of what the tabernacle and the temple that Solomon built looks like because I feel like that really helped me a lot to understand because today especially from first kings we are looking at so many dimensions this cubit's long this cubit's high this cubit wide this and this so it all makes sense if you could kind of visualize what they're saying like what it says or how the temple would have looked like and those links would definitely help you to do so so I hope that you check that out immediately And then while you're reading, you can just be following along with the video. It's amazing. Also, I did get a thing or two from those videos. So I'm just going to say this. It's a lot, but I'm just going to say this, that there is so much significance in the dimensioning, in the location of the temple that Solomon is building right now. So you have the first huge timeline major timeline which is the relationship that god had with the first humans adam and eve and then you have the second major timeline which is the old covenant and then you have the third major timeline which is the new covenant maybe you could visualize a straight line at the beginning of the line is adam and eve and god in the garden of eden at the middle of that line is the old covenant which is what we are currently on the temple david solomon the israelites And then at the end of that line is the new covenant, which is us, the new Christians, and starting with the death and resurrection of Jesus. These three main events in humanity are related and are connected in such an amazing way. 
So one of the things you're going to learn if you click the link that I added in the description box, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of adding a high emphasis on those links because I feel like I learned a lot, but I'm just going to briefly relate to you what I got from those videos. But the temple was cited at the threshold, right, that David bought from this guy after the punishment of God came, when David carried out a census. So when David was trying to atone for the sins that he has committed, he offered to God a sacrifice on an altar. So that was the site of the temple which Solomon built. But not only that, but this same site is on Mount Moriah, which in Genesis chapter 22 was the same location where Abraham almost sacrificed his son Isaac, which was the same location where God gave the covenant to Abraham. God entered into that covenant because you did not withhold your son from me. I will make many nations out of you. You would be a blessing to other people. And this is so amazing because, okay, let's start with the first timeline. I, I'm just gushing so much because everything is just coming in at once. But the first timeline was where Adam and Eve sinned and fell apart from God. And there was a need to restore that broken relationship. God knew that mankind could not survive without him. And so the first uh, opportunity of God to restore that relationship was through the old covenant, which involved the offering of sacrifices, which involved the burnt offerings, the rituals, the festivals, and all of that, which was a way that humanity or in, in the old covenant, just the Israelites, were able to mend their relationship with God after they disobeyed or after they fell away. And the pinnacle of that location, the location where all of that would take place is at the temple. And I do not think that it is a coincidence that this was the same site that Abraham almost sacrifices on Isaac because it is the same site where the Israelites would be sacrificing animals and offerings to God as a way to atone for their sins. But then we move to the new covenant where in this case we have one sacrifice who died once and for all, which is Jesus. And not too far from this location is Golgotha, is Calvary, where Jesus was sacrificed for our sins. All of this are so connected. You remember when we were talking, that was literally the first days when we started on this journey. We were talking about how God sent Adam and Eve after they disobeyed and fell away, away from the Garden of Eden. They went out of the Garden of Eden through the east side of the garden. And when you look at the mapping, at the um, dimensioning of the tabernacle, tent of meeting, as well as the temple, because they're very similar. The temple is just like the tabernacle on a larger scale. You can only enter the temple from the east. <laughs> so you can only enter the temple from the east into as you're moving in you're moving from your right hand to your left adam and eve went out of the garden of eden through the east meaning from the left hand towards your right hand and i think it only makes sense that the, the temple which was the pinnacle which represented a way in which the israelites could come into that relationship with god again was in reverse direction that Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden. So we can see that the temple kind of represented the Garden of Eden, in quote. It represented that place where we were in 
God's presence, where there was no obstacle of sin, where there was no obstacle of disobedience that separated us from being in God's presence. And then you have the courtyard. So you have like three major spaces of the temple. So you have the holies of holies, which is where the Ark of the Covenant is kept. This is the place that only the high priest was allowed into once every year during the atonement festival, which is when the sacrifice is made to atone for the sins of all of Israel. And then after the holies of holies, you have the most holy place. This is where the um, the altar of incense is kept. It's where the menorah is kept. It's where the table of showbread is also kept. This is where the priests offer uh, their basic priestly rites to God. They eat the bread. They change the um, showbread every Sabbath. They also pour incense on the altar. But no ordinary people was was allowed in here. No ordinary people were allowed in here. This was just for the priest alone. And then you have the courtyard. So the courtyard is like that outer side. This is where the altar, where the burnt sacrifices are made. You have the wash basin. This is probably where most people just stopped uh, when they entered into the temple. This was like the only place that they were allowed to go. And so we can see that courtyard, that outer space as the world. It represents the world, which is how uh, it pretty much represents the way, the steps in which we can get closer to God. So the courtyard is a representation of the world. We are in sin. We are in need of God's grace. We are in need to come closer to God in this relationship, in this covenant. And so what do we do? We need to atone for our sins, but we can't do that by our own power. We cannot atone for our sins by ourselves because we are not worthy enough. And so what do we do? We have the sacrifice. The sacrifice is what atones our sins on our behalf. The sacrifice is pretty much taking our place taking judgment for us in the old covenant the sacrifice was animals which is why the altar for burning of uh sacrifices were in the courtyard and then right after that you have the wash basin which is pretty much what the priests used to wash themselves so in this world that we are in we need to offer sacrifices to god we need to wash ourselves clean before we can progress into the next step now the next step is the most holy place which is where the showbread is, it's where the incense is, it's where the menorah is. The menorah is like that seven, I just, please just search it up. I really can't give a word-by-word -word description of all of these things, but the menorah is like candles. It's like seven candles in one, right? And it represents light. It represents the Holy Spirit, which is the light. And then you have the showbread, which represents the um, Eucharist because Jesus is the living bread. He is the true bread. He is the bread from heaven. And then you also have the burnt incense, which represents our prayers going to God. So after you cleanse yourself, after you atone for your sins by the blood of Jesus, you can enter into the next step, which is feeding your souls by the body and blood of Jesus, which is also allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell in your life and making you to become light. And then your prayers can rise up to God like the incense. And then you have the third stage, which is the holies of holies. And this signifies the highest form or the highest stage that we can ever reach, which is dwelling right in the presence of God. In the holies of holies, there was only one thing there, the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant contained three things. It contained the staff of Moses. It contained the manna that 
God fed the Israelites with in the desert, and it also contains the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. Meaning, the only way we can enter into God's presence, we can fully behold the glory and the awesomeness of God is in perfect obedience to his words and to the commands he has given us. And then the, the lid of the Ark of Covenant is called the mercy seat. So this is where the blood from the sacrifice that is made on the day of atonement is sprinkled. So after the sacrifice is made that one day every year, the high priest goes into the holies of holies and sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat. And this is what washes away the sins of the Israelites. And that was in the old covenant. Then now in the new covenant, we have the blood of Jesus. Meaning it is only through the blood of Jesus that we are washed, that we can escape judgment, that we can escape the punishment that we deserve. And that is why it makes so much sense when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. This was not Jesus being pretentious or Jesus, I mean, Jesus is God, so he, he does have the right to be pretentious actually. But this was not Jesus trying to, should I say, be mean. But Or as most people would say, when Christians quote this part of the Bible, uh, Christians are judgmental. Or Christians think that their way is the only true way. But it is facts because there is no atonement. There is no mercy. There is no reconciliation. There is no repentance. There is no forgiveness without the blood of Jesus. That is like the key to the door. because. If you come before the Father without Jesus' death, without his blood, you are at risk of facing the full consequence of every single act of disobedience that you have ever made in your entire life. And note that just one act deserves death. So you do the math, all right? I, I do not want to be in that position. I hope you also do not find yourself in that position. So these are the like the various steps. And when we look at the old covenant and the new covenant, their main purpose was to retrace the fall of man. After Adam and Eve left, that relationship with God was broken. And so what God did in this, all through this timeline, the old and new covenant, is to retrace their steps back into the presence of God, back into a time where nothing can separate us from God. And so that is pretty much what the temple represented, um, speaking structurally, like there are so many other significances, but this is what I got from the YouTube videos. I hope you can check that out and get more. Anyways, that on that, in today's readings in First Kings, Solomon builds the temple. One major thing I'd like to cite from this reading is that Solomon takes care to tell the people that are querying the stones and cutting the stones not to do so at the site of a temple that they should do that elsewhere and then bring the finished product the finished stones to the sites to build the temple i don't know if you guys missed this but i feel like this has so much significance because he also made mention that there was no noise from cutting the stones at the site because of this because they had to do all of the cutting and all of the um processing elsewhere and then bring the finished stones to the site and i think this just shows how much honor and how much respect was given to that site was given to that temple because 
they recognize, Soma recognized that this is not just an ordinary building. This is not just a palace. This is the temple that God would reside in. And so this showed the level of respect, the level of reverence that was given to the site of the temple even before it was built. And when you look at, I don't know if you guys got this, but when you look at all of the details that are put into the temple, the carvings on the wall, the gold, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever read any chapter that had this much mention of gold as I did. I mean, it made mention that in the time of Solomon, silver was not even qualified as anything. Silver was seen as stone and gold was used everywhere. It was used to lay so many things. It was used to cover so many things. The temple was literally shining with gold. And on the inside, it looked amazing, it looked beautiful. But take note not from this is that nobody except the priests were allowed inside the temple. And so, I mean, that means that after the temple was finished, after it was consecrated, after all said and done, and people started living their lives, offering sacrifices in the temple, they could not see the inside. And so you might ask, so why was there a need to put so much detail if nobody was going to see inside you know like we have in normal churches well i think this just kind of shows that the decorations the gold and all of the details put in, into building the temple wasn't for anyone else other than god god alone resided in the temple the priest entered occasionally to do their priestly duties and after that they were out <laughs> not like they lived in there and so all of this was done because of god and this can just make us look into our lives and into ourselves and ask how many times do i do things not for my sake or not for the sake of others but for god i feel like sometimes when we realize that some things we're doing is for god we tend to ease back on the details or we tend to ease back on the effort that we put into it because we feel like god will understand you know god is god he will understand and so i don't i don't need to do too much recently i have been struggling with um meeting up my financial needs you know and so it has been really hard to actually take something out of the little that i already have to give us tithe but one thing i promised myself after i started working was that every month i was going to give god my tithe like nothing was going to ruin that and then this month came and it's like okay, you know what? I feel like I can just miss this month. Like God is not going to get angry. I mean, how much is is it that I'm even giving? Like that is not going to make a difference to God. So I, I might just skip this month and just continue next month. And I think it's so funny that after I made the deci- this decision, I'm scrolling on Instagram and one post I see talks exactly about this. It talks exactly about the fact that sometimes we give God out of what we have left. Sometimes we give God out of what we have to spare. But true reverence for God, true fear of God, true knowledge about who God is would want us or would lead us to do things out of the ordinary for God. Not because we fear him or we fear the punishments that he might bring on us, but because of our love for him. Because we recognize that everything that we have is from God. And so what exactly would it cost you to give out of what you've been given as a show of thanksgiving, as a show of appreciation for what you've received? And so this is a call. I don't know what 
given to God in quote might look like for you. It might mean giving your tithe to God. It might mean giving financially to the progress of God's kingdom. It might mean giving your time. It might mean sharing the gospel to somebody who needs to hear it. Whatever it might look like for you, please put in the details, even when no one is looking, because God deserves it. God demands it. God is not to be played with. God is not to be left as a second option or as one of the other options. God is the priority in our lives, and we have to give him that respect. If we're to truly be people that want to live and abide in his presence. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. It should. It should make sense. Anyways, moving on to Second Chronicles, which pretty much summarizes the life of King Solomon in his last days. Queen Sheba comes to visit Solomon and she also testifies of Solomon's wisdom and of Solomon's wealth. But then we're going to lay a bit of emphasis on Solomon's wealth here because we're told that Solomon has shields. Solomon has shields made from pure gold, literally beaten out of pure gold, not made from iron and overlaid with gold, but made from top to bottom with gold. 200 big shields, 300 small shields, all made from gold, which were placed in the hall of forest in Lebanon. Pretty much as a showcase because we know that in the time of Solomon there was no war there was no battle Solomon's reign was very peaceful and so those shields were probably never used just as a showcase and even if they were to be used I don't think gold shields this is talking not from my experience because I, I literally have no experience with war and weapons but from the from the um reports of other people of other people that have read this part of the bible they say that Gold shields are practically useless because, number one, they are heavy. I mean, you're talking about pure gold. And number two, they're soft, meaning they really can't do much to defend against arrows or swords or weapons or any of that. So the gold shields were for show. They were 100% for show. And then you would ask, like, why would someone want to give that much gold just for show? I mean, first of all, gold was pretty much very common in the time of Solomon. So he probably had a lot of spare. He used gold in the temple. He used gold in the palace. He had a lot of gold lying around. And so he used that for the shield. But what this might point to is the fact that Solomon might just be like those shields, you know, kind of trying to represent something that he's not of having a two-face if i may say kind of trying to give off that notion that he is wealthy i mean he is wealthy and that he's wise i mean he is wise and that his heart is in the right place you know just like the shields they they probably looked so majestic looked so beautiful to look at but in practice in practice practically they were useless and probably that might also look a lot like Solomon he was clothed with majesty and glamour and so outwardly he was very beautiful to behold he had so much wealth and so much wisdom so many connections with other kings and other leaders from other nations but practically inwardly his heart was turned away from God. And I mean, 
this is not to spite so money in any way, but it is to see ourselves through the same lens and through the same mirror. That sometimes we pay too much attention on trying to be or trying to look like the perfect Christian and trying to uh, show the charisma of what the amazing pastor would be like or trying to prove to others that we love God or that we follow the teachings. We put so much effort on that that we lose out on trying to be a good Christian and trying to be the people that love God and trying to be the people that are after God's heart. God doesn't look at things outwardly. If any of these stories we've looked so far hasn't proved that to us already, God looks at our hearts. And so if you're having a very hard time trying to focus your heart on God, I think now is the time to ask for his help. We do need his help. Each and every one of us need God's help to put our hearts in the right place because our heart is very fickle. It should not be trusted. It wants one thing one second and the next second it wants another thing. But we can trust in God. And so we can ask God to melt our hearts of stone, to give us hearts that are willing to obey him, to give us hearts that are willing to love him, to give us hearts that are willing to submit and worship him the way he demands and the way he wants us to worship him. Anyways, thank you so much for listening this far. This has been such an amazing journey. Like I said, tomorrow we are starting with the book of Ecclesiastes. And I cannot wait to unravel all of that with you guys. I hope to see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. Please do not forget to share, leave a review, and subscribe if you haven't to this podcast. So that you get to be informed of daily updates and new episodes. And I hope to see you same time, same place. Have an amazing day.